Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, will the Melbourne Cup remain on free-to-air TV? We'll explain why broadcasters are balking at a new deal. Commercial networks set to take another advertising hit with restrictions on certain ads. And could 10's new free-to-air channel put them back in the game? Welcome to the podcast where people in the industry get their news. This is TV Black Box. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello there, I'm Rob McKnight. It's a big hello to TV Black Box. TV presenter David Robinson is here. Hello, Robbo. Hello there, Rob. Great to be with you, and I'm excited about tonight. Jeepers, creepers, the topics. I mean, it's oh a good, good night. And here to share the glory is none other than the viewer's advocate, Steve Mulk. Hello, Mulky. Hello, Rob, Robbo. I pay my respects to the Dark and Jung people who, on whose land I am coming to you loud, live and large this evening. And you'll all be pleased to know we had our discussion about The Voice before the show, so you didn't have to... Oh, I walked off. Um, now, Abby Mickelson isn't here tonight because she's still in shock that I agreed with her about something last week. So <laughs> she's she's having down. a Bex and a good lie yes. down and she'll be back next week. All right, let's get into it because the Melbourne Cup, wow, that is making some waves. The broadcast rights for the Melbourne Cup are up for grabs from next year with 10 bowing out of the race. 10, as you know, currently hold the rights while they cited changes in the nature of the agreement between Tadcorp and the Victoria Racing Club as the reason for their decision. Straight from the horse's mouth, a 10 spokesperson told TV Black Box it became clear that the nature of the agreement between Tadcorp and VRC would require a move towards a core racing and wagering focused broadcast product. It's understood both 9 and 7 are vying for the rights, but they might still want to hold their horses. You see, VRC and Tabcourt insist on controlling production and there are fears there will be less coverage on fashion, celebrity guests and the marquees. The networks are also concerned this direction could further alienate casual viewers and limit support from advertisers. Also under the new deal, Tabcourt are also requesting a 50% share of all wagering advertisements. Seven already broadcasts horse racing on other Melbourne tracks, so will this be a one-horse race? Or could nine be the dark horse Robbo? One of the biggest concerns for any network that decides to take on the Melbourne Cup is this pretty outrageous idea, I think, that if they run any wagering, you know, your sports bet ads, you know, your blue bet, any of that kind of stuff, if you earn, I don't know, $100,000 from that 30-second commercial, well, Tabcorp's going to get 50000 of that. That... That's not a deal any network's going to agree to. 
No, and that's the thing though. So they under the under the agreement, they've got a sub license to a free to air broadcaster, as per the anti siphoning list. Correct, as, as exactly. So they are going to play hardball because uh, they don't want to do it, and they are in charge. They are absolutely have the upper hand. So that's why they're saying all of these outrageous demands. I think we'll see those demands uh, reduce a little bit as we see um, slowly the networks drop off. So tens dropped off. Um, will seven or nine drop off? Seven has a hand in the game with their partnership with racing, and and always I even still think that seven is the home of Melbourne Cup. So uh, you know you can you can farm it out. To to Channel 10, you can find it out to Channel 9, but really, if you asked anyone, and this happened a couple of years ago, um, more people tuned into Channel 7 when the Cup ran than they did to Channel 10. Oh, they had an alternate race, didn't they? Yeah, but day? everyone tuned into Channel yeah. 7 because they thought that 7 was the home <laughs> of the Cup. So, like, it, it, branding means a lot, but mm. obviously this anti-siphoning thing, um, they, they, you know, they, they're going to have the upper hand. I think they're going to have to reduce those numbers. You, you can't be saying that, that you know fifty percent of that hundred grand has to go back to Tadcorp. It just can't happen. Well, Malk, presumably, if they insisted on this, the overall price for the Melbourne Cup would come down. I also just wonder mm-hmm. if Tadcorp is trying to make the deal so unfathomable that the networks don't want to touch it. Would that then take it off the anti-siphoning list? I'm I'm a bit confused here about. This is an interesting one to me because I'm a mm. bit confused about how far Tabcorp can push it. Just, just let's just say they said, "No, nah, we're going to charge you a billion dollars for one year, right?" Yeah. Which no network would actually do, sure, yeah. right? Right. So, if a network says we're not paying a billion dollars a year, do does that give Tabcorp and the Victoria Racing? the chance to say to the federal government, well, that we, we tried to on-sell yeah. it, but they don't want it. Yeah, look, I'm, sh- I'm sure they can, and I'm sure that would be an interesting play if they did that. It would be I th- an outrage. I think, well, I, th- I think if they did that, the challenge would be where does it end up? Mm. And and the outcry from a, a small margin of the community that want to see um, the, the race itself. Um, I think in part... The Melbourne Cup is struggling under changing changing views of society around their love for gambling because something like horse racing is so intrinsically linked to having mm. a punt. That's and what it's all about. We're, 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 we're seeing that pushback particularly around our, our, our football codes and while um, there's legislation around when... Um, you know, the odds around football games can be shared and those sorts of things. There's controversy growing over the fact that now these betting companies are taking naming rights to the stadiums and jerseys that, that you know, so it's creeping in in that regard into what is being, you know, purported or trying to, we want to have fr- family-friendly football opportunities and how can we do that if the kids are knowing the stats of the team's chances to win, you know, better than, who the players are or what, how they're going, that kind of thing. And because horse racing is so intrinsically linked to um, to gambling and to you know, uh, violence against the animal itself, they, I think they're, they're going to struggle and it's just not going to get any better for them. Mm. Well, but, but it's well, the race that stops the nation, though, so a network has to be part of it. And it's the race so, that used to stop the nation, though, Robbo, that's the problem. The ratings well, for the Melbourne it, Cup... It still rates ha- pretty well, no, the, doesn't the it? The actual race, though, yeah, rates well. Yeah, like, yeah, isn't it still, like, the biggest thing on the box? Sure. No, no. 
It's it probably the, the highest rating horse race on television, sure, but because I, I, so much is poured into it in that regard. But the, you look at the ratings year on year for the Melbourne Cup, and, and look, I want to say this with a big asterisk, independent of what you think of Channel 10, yes, it has gone down since it's been on 10, but it's been going down for years. But, the, but this, So I understand the whole carnival has probably been going down, but the actual race? The actual race has been going down. Wow, okay. So Jeez, I, I don't I, know I, anyone I who know that. 3 o'clock doesn't tune in to see yeah, that race. Yeah, me neither. I don't. Well, no, I'm not being literal. Sure. Uh, but but, but, the, but one in three people don't tune in but based yeah, on our Yeah, sample. that's still better than any other TV show, I would have thought. Yeah, I mean, it's it's how long does it run for? Eight minutes, twenty thousand seconds? Mm. I don't know. A hundred, hundred years? Um, it, <laughs> it is. It is a. It is a. Um, it is an event that we have romantic, traditionally romantically linked to sure. who we are. Right, the race that stops the nation. Um, in its day, it is. It is certainly been a competitive sporting event from a ratings perspective. Mm. That that hasn't been the case for it, I will say, at least the past five to ten years. Well, you mentioned gambling, and this next story is probably going to hurt the idea of buying the Melbourne Cup because media wagering and sports businesses are bracing for impact with a potential ban on gambling advertising in the works. A report following an inquiry into online gambling harm is expected to be handed down this week. Many are anticipating the recommendation of a total ban on gambling advertising to be rolled out over four years. On one side of the debate, experts say gambling advertisements can encourage young people and those with existing gambling problems to engage. On the other side, Responsible Wagering Australia says this regulation will entice those at risk to seek seek out unregulated bodies. Now look, it's estimated that in 2022, gambling and gaming companies spent $310 million on advertising, with more than 50% of that on commercial network television. The second most used medium was digital advertising, including YouTube, TikTok and Instagram. Broadcasters are concerned the ban will unfairly target them, while online mediums are not regulated. Online advertising has also come under scrutiny with calls to ban ads targeting children selling junk food and drink. The companies are currently able to collect children's personal information for marketing, with Attorney General Mark Dreyfus admitting the Privacy Act had not kept up with the digital world. A new bill has been introduced into federal parliament to restrict such ads. Okay, a couple of things here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to me, this is not like when we banned smoking ads on television. The reason I say that is because back then it was television by a country mile, newspapers second, a distant mm-hmm. second. We now live in a fragmented world, so if you do take advertising like gambling companies away, that will harm the commercial networks that are already doing it tough in a downturn of the advertising market. What I wonder, Mulk, mm-hmm. is at what point is there individual responsibility? Now, I agree with Mark Dreyfus that the um, the, the junk food company should not be collecting personal information about kids. Totally on board with that. Yeah. But an ad is an ad that you can ignore. If we worry about every impact someone that might have some 
something in their head, we will have no advertising, we'll have no content because you don't know what can trigger anyone. A thumbtack going into a war might say someone, I want to put a thumbtack in someone's head. I don't know, I'm trying to come up with something. But what I'm saying is that anything can trigger anyone. So we keep we keep pu- putting our society in cotton wool for the sake of the the, the 1% rather than having a common sense approach. Oh, um, look, there's so much even in just that, that question, Rob, I'm, I'm kind of navigating in my head where to start the, <laughs> I agree with the minister that privacy, the legislation hasn't kept up with privacy details. There is no reason for organizations to, sorry, they will say there is a reason. I would no. There is no reason. There is no reason. Oh well, here's here's the why they would say there's a reason, Rob. Your statement to suggest that well, advertising will go away, or you know that that it, it has already for two generations of people, it has gone away. They don't watch commercial television. They barely watch the ad field catch up services, and they complain about it when they do, or when they're forced to watch an ad on YouTube. <laughs> they are watching that's, everything that's else. So Yeah, see, you say that, but mm. at the end of the day, Mark, as much as you might want to talk TV down... I'm not, nothing... No, no, I'm not talking TV down. I'm talking the advertising industry down. Sure. So they are racing okay, to he, try and come up with thing. ways to attract a younger audience and engage with them. Sure. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll take that point. But my point is that there is no other medium like television that mm. can have as many people watching the same message mm-hmm. at the same time. I agree. If Coke, well, uh, well, if Coke I, 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 in, in a domestic context, in, I agree. In, uh, in Dancing no, with the Stars. No, I would actually disagree with both of you. If if you're talking about the saturation of digital marketing with uh, with sports betting and and, um, and and betting in general and gambling, um, you are absolutely reaching the same people at the same time. I, Rob, I understand what you're saying in regards to television, but if you have spent any time on TikTok, any time on Facebook, or any time on YouTube, uh, it is saturated with. Uh, with gambling uh, promotion and gambling Yeah, ads. yeah. Though, Robbo, um, it, and I'm sorry to jump in, that what Rob is saying, though, is at the same time. But I, but I would agree that... No, but, like, uh, but, with but, TV, no, no, everyone's seeing well, yes. the same message. I would disagree with you because of the saturation, the level of saturation mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying there aren't other outrageous. ways to get the message across, but what but I'm, I'm saying is TV you know, has the power of having... A million people see the same message at the same time. No but other I, medium gives you that. But I'm suggesting that that does. I'm su- saying to you that TikTok does do that because all I'm seeing on TikTok, if you scroll, is sports bet, Ned's bet, whatever they are. You're all you're seeing is that at the same time. That's what I'm saying to you. So I would, right. I would say to you that yes, a million people at this one point at six thirty one on a Sunday night on Channel Nine, we know that a million saw that people ad. saw, yep. saw that ad. But I'm just saying to you, the, the sheer saturation that you're seeing digitally on TikTok and on Facebook is outrageous. So you're mm. almost getting the same thing. That's that's all I'm suggesting to both of you. Here's the here's the challenge, and I understand your your situation in that, Robbo. That the challenge is that tuning into Channel Nine at six thirty one, other than pressing the up or down button and yeah. and leaving the channel, I yeah, can't yeah, yeah. I can't go away from that ad in that context. Uh, and smart advertisers, if if they are a coke with the pockets in that sort of situation, will block ads on multiple channels at the same break or the same time for the same yeah. reason. Yeah. Um, I can curate the advertising that is fed to me in a social media context where I can say I don't want to see any more from, like, here's a prime example. Twitter's gone to shit. 
Um, <laughs> and when I am presented with a promoted ad from any organization, I'm blocking that account. Just done. So I might see that first ad, but I will never see an ad from that account again, which is why the current approach to a lot of the advertisers on Twitter is to create 17,000 accounts, all pointing at the same content or library and paying Twitter to present these 17,000 accounts to me because they know people are going to be blocking them and getting away from them. Same with TikTok. I can say, I want to see less of this or less of that, and I don't see any more of that. So I don't still... even notice ads on Twitter, on the internet. When I go to a web page, I don't notice ads. Whereas with TV, the ad's there because there's nothing else happening for that three, three and a half minutes sure. except the ad's being played. I've obviously got my second screen going. But what I'm saying is that when I go to a website, I am so trained now to ignore banner ads and the like, it doesn't go in. Which is why that they're now jumping up in your face and appearing over the cover of, you know, the content you're trying to read or yeah. interrupting the middle of the content because, this, right, just just to get to tin tax. I heard a stat the other day that surprised me and I cannot verify it. However, it sounded scary enough to be real. In America, there are more psychologists employed in the advertising industry than there are in oh. private practice. Yeah. <laughs> because their job is to help That's advertisers fantastic. understand the people they're trying to sell to mm. so that they sense. can then write up their uh, write up their stories, write up their ability to be able to to flog content to us and all of those sorts of things. And that's before we get to the fact that it's generation Z and generation alpha are uh they are like ghosts to the advertising machine. They yeah. cannot find them. They don't can, know how to hit them. Can I go back to the original question? Just a yes or no from each sure, of you. Sorry. Robbo, should gambling ads and junk food ads be banned from television? No. Monk? Yes. Deciding vote? I say no, so you'll just have to drop that, Mark Dreyfus. Thanks very much. All right. The Australian Bureau of Statistics has released the results in its eighth film, television and digital game survey. Now, look, these findings cover the financial year of 2021 to 2022. They're focusing on television, and here are some of the key findings. Commercial free-to-air broadcasters generated a total income of $3.7 million, which is a decrease of 17% from 2015 to 2016. Subscription broadcasters and channel providers saw a decrease of 27% in income. Total employment also decreased by 20.3% compared to the end of June 2016. However, total hours of television produced increased 1.7%, with drama and documentary contributing the biggest increases with 70% and 165% respectively. Despite indexing to match inflation, the total cost increased by 45%, driving up the average cost per hour for television productions. Okay, Mulk. This all seems pretty much where I thought things would land, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't. It's not really full of surprises to me. Yeah, look, I, I, I'm in a privileged position where I get to work with a lot of young people every day. So I get to see and hear and understand their media consumption habits, the way that they engage in stuff, and, and even down to the, the trends of, of, you know, what, what they're, how they're connecting into getting their news and getting their information and those sorts of things. Um. As, as much as we love television in its both traditional and growing digital sense, it's on a hiding to fucking nothing. It's it's just not able to keep up with how young people are wanting to um, engage in and connect in 
the, the, the notion of where they get their data and information from. And that it's in itself causes, well, that in itself causes a problem because then how do they eke through the fake news, the spin, the, mm. the misinformation that they get presented in various forms and formats? How do they, where do they find their trusted information? And at the moment, huge generalization coming. It's coming from people as ill-informed as they are. And <laughs> yes, that's, yeah. that's unhelpful, right? Yeah. So, yeah, like... Agree. My, my and, and I'm not trying to drop her in it, my glorious 16-year-old daughter can tell you, almost from memory, what Taylor Swift's set list is for the Eras Tour, right? She's engaged in it. She loves, loves, like... Got my could not. <laughs> I, I, tomorrow, my job tomorrow is to be a loser and try oh, and get. Oh, I'm going, baby! I'll be, be there in Sydney. Um, my my glorious 16 year old daughter is pretty well connected into situations and knowledge and those things. Could not tell you what just happened in Russia. Yeah, yeah. Now, doesn't need to know necessarily, and it turned out to be a bit of fluff and smoke and mirrors. But it also could have been the end of Russia. Yeah, um, but it's 16. Do do do, do six, have sixteen year olds ever really wanted to know what's happening in Russia? It's sort of as you get older, you become more aware of the world, isn't it? Yeah, look, yes and no, and it's probably a bad example. However, I, I want to offer no, to no, you that no, I actually don't think it is. But but it's sixteen year olds that have opinions around climate change and and how we can and should be doing better. It's a it's sixteen year olds that are leading us around the way that we engage in. Um, gender equity issues. It's 16-year-olds that are bringing to light and bringing to the fore some of the big things that absolutely affect them now that are actual global issues. Not saying that Russia's not, um, just in the in the context of what affects them. And if they're getting misinformation or, or, or false information fed to them because they have no trusted, reliable source of information, then that's open to them being manipulated in that context. Is Taylor Swift in Australia? Not yet, Robbo. <laughs> oh, Soon. I thought you were going to a concert. Okay, right. So sorry. Yeah, no, it's tomorrow February next year. I'll be online oh, tomorrow. Podcast uh, time. Sorry, trying to buy tickets. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so all right. So Taylor. Swift. Did you just hold up the joke um, sign and I missed it? Yeah, Presa. Sorry, just really quickly. Um, and she's going to Russia. Is that what you meant? That's <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> all right. Coming yeah, okay, up, okay. could Channel 10's new free-to-air channel put them back in the game? TV Black Box does it again with confirmation on Dr. Chris Brown's new TV gig, and we'll find out what everyone's been watching in the TV binge box. Channel 10 is owned by Paramount Global. 
Nickelodeon, like MTV, is a paramount global brand like CBS and Channel 10 and Channel 5 in the UK. This makes sense to me. Um, it will, I think it will actually help increase Channel 10's overall share because they'll get kids watching. Absolutely. You know what you're getting is a premium brand. Kids channel. Yeah, premium brand though that you used to have mm. to pay for. So now it's free. So people will look at that and go, Nickelodeon, I've never oh, had yeah. that because you had to pay for it. Now yeah. we don't have to pay for it. That's exactly why it's going to work and work really well because we have been indoctrinated with the fact that Nickelodeon, you've got to pay for it. And it's got to be on Foxtel, it's got to be on pay TV. Now it's for free. Absolutely we're looking out for it. We know that it's got yeah. brands such as you know SpongeBob SquarePants. This is fantastic. This is a really, really, really good move by 10 and I think it will work really, really well. I want to watch it because for for something I think I'm getting for free that I should be paying for. It's wonderful. I think it's great. He loves a freebie, Monk. Yeah, Look, that's it's what we've come to know and love about Robbo. Is his desire for the uh, the freebie. I'm still waiting for a stand, um, a, a, you know, a stand profile for free as well. Just it's all right, Sneezeby, well, Sneezeby, if you're listening, Thank he's you. too busy at the rugby, mate. Yeah. Um, I, I I would offer it's a smart move by Paramount to leverage their asset. And to do what they can do, it does tie in um, vaguely to even the creation of Ten Shake, that we got wind that that it was going to become, I think at that point we thought it was going to become, or I'd heard it was going to become an MTV channel. Um, That's right. Nickelodeon's not far from it, is it? Um, not, and and not at night, we'll be getting Nick at Night content, so stuff mm. for tweens and older that falls out of the Nickelodeon catalogue. We don't know if it's going to be new content or whether it's all just back catalogue content, but I think given that it has been largely paywalled for the longest time, Correct. they could show us, you know. Correct. Early episodes. Well, Marley- as NBC once said, they had a campaign over summer that said, if you haven't seen it before, it's new for you. <laughs> mm. That was that was their summer where really? they did reruns. That's yeah. fantastic. Wow. You know, like they rerun Friends or Seinfeld. I can't remember what year Great it was. Spin. But they said, oh, if you haven't spin. seen this before, it's new for yeah. you. That's amazing. <laughs> that is an amazing spin. Um, it, it'll look, it, it, I think it will boost 10's share. I, I would, look, I know that they're just replacing it. They're not. Adding a channel, um, it's not going to make the overall difference for ten. They are still, you know, on the long hop between third and fourth somewhere. Uh, sure, but it's a but it's a positive but it, it move. It would help and, them a bit, wouldn't it? If if Nickelodeon, a big brand like Nickelodeon, gets a bit of traction. Well, he, here's the thing that's going to go a little bit to some of the stuff that I've been banging about almost the entire episode. If 10 Paramount can wean on a younger generation of young people to watch the big flat panel in the corner via the free-to-air television network cable antenna thing, Mm. then that only bodes well for reconnecting and re-engaging with a generation that largely has been watching ABC iView or Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Well, you might remember last month on TV Black Box, I exclusively revealed that Dream Home, a new reality renovation show, would be coming to Seven in 2024. Now, they were keeping tight-lipped on who the host would be at the time, but we heavily suspected it would be Dr Chris Brown. And guess what? We were right. Seven have confirmed the celebrity vet as the host and have also announced a second project with his involvement. The yet-to-be-named... The yet-to-be-named adventure series, both produced and hosted by Chris Brown, is said to be in pursuit of the ultimate animal encounter in the experience of a lifetime. So, Mogga, this new show, I'm going to imagine, is going out with tigers in Africa and having a bit of a romp with the tigers. Sure, probably. 
I mean, you know, it's we could make There's it up right now. Episode one. <laughs> That's right. We could make it up right now and, and not be far off. But episode two is is Chris going to see the penguins at you know. No, that's Whatever not that... high adrenaline. Well, mate, depend. Uh, have you met, have you met a there, penguin? Though. It'll be there. The penguins will be more high adrenaline than Dr. Chris Brown, I'll tell uh, you right now. You're barred from this conversation. You, Robert, I was going to say, when are we throwing to Robbo for his opinion? No, I'm not. Um, That's why I came to it, you. It will, be a, it will be high adrenaline. It will be high adrenaline when he goes to Phillip Island and he's racing one around on a motorcycle at the, at the a motorcycle penguin. track. With a, a penguin, penguin driving. Yeah, that that's right. Fantastic. With a penguin on the yeah, motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, it's it's... I would say that both of them are softball entries because they want Chris to have a pretty easy landing in the seven roast chook world. And and I think that he'll be easily adopted and loved by the seven uh, viewing audience. I, I don't know that Dream Home's going to be a, a massive hit. I think it'll probably do okay. I certainly think that any... Dr. Dr. Chris Brown... And it was interesting. Just quickly, can I take a quick aside? In most of the press release, it just called him Chris Brown. And yet in the headline to the press release, it was Dr. Chris Brown. And I thought that is mm. interesting if it's if it's an accident because his branding has been Dr. Chris Brown for the longest time. Yes, of course. And if they're trying to turn him into, quotes, just, unquotes, Chris Brown, then I think that's a bad idea. Interesting one, Monk. Interesting one. And I could um, be conspiracying it up, right? It could have just been, could have been an accident. Yeah, it could literally just be someone. A PR Jedi or... who didn't know what they were doing. Um, Dream Home is an interesting one because it's the New Zealand format they're basing it on. Mm-hmm. They're changing it for 2024 and, or they're updating it. You know, yeah. it'll be contemporary. Um, and this show came before the block. And there was yes. a whole court case with the block over copyright infringement, it, yeah. which which didn't succeed the in block federal one. court. Mm. And look, it, so you know the fact that they're building on a Hang successful on, was that a format. <laughs> what did you Sorry, say? Play it. I just said, "Was that a spoiler?" I'm being a bitch. Play on. Oh, Steve. Oh, Steve. Oh, we what don't joke th- about spoilers. <laughs> no, not again. For Can I tell you something? Uh, dream home or whatever it is. Yes. Will not be a dream for the Seven Network. It will oh, be an absolute go. nightmare. Uh. It will be an absolute nightmare. I'm not saying about the host. It just won't work as a show. We are over renovation shows. No matter how many times the in a press still release. The Bonanza. Yeah, but it's got a... It's uh, less got a, than it, it used to Bonanza, brand, but it still does and right. it doesn't break what it used to. What I'm saying is hmm. the idea that we want another renovation show and no matter how many times you uh, remove Doctor or you add in exciting or you add in new... Adrenaline high. we're over it. We are over it. It will not work it will go the same way as million dollar island it will not work and i'm not saying that because it was dr chris beige hosting it but it is because it is just an old an old i love little rob's little shake of the head there on the screen (laughs) every time (laughs) every time it's like dream dream home won't work it just won't work it we are we are over it we are sick of it well i think we're we're getting over reality tv and if you look at it it's only the big known brands that are working dancing's doing really well amazingly like seriously well Um, it's doing the best of the bunch but it's not doing as well as it has done master chef's off the boil any reality yeah, show, consistent. unless it's a merit, it's like in third or fourth spot every night. So if we look at the numbers for last night, Rob, Monday, in the week that we're recording, yeah. um, MasterChef came in 
first in the 7.30 time slot up against this part two of Warney, which <laughs> had has, a big drop off. And had a big drop off. And then Million Dollar Island, which has now recorded its lowest numbers for yeah. the season at it's 250. A flop. It's, yes, it's a flop. So, But what I want to offer is that MasterChef pulled 485,000 five city metro, which is consistently around where it's landing. So, yes, some nights it is pulling third, no question. However, it is consistently humming in that, you know, um, 450 to 500 sort of time uh, ratings uh, amount for the five city metro audience, which, without being indiscreet, is enough for it to be. Yeah, a su- no, no, a success. It, it absolutely is. I'm not calling MasterChef a flop. Yep. What I'm saying is that I would argue. I could do better. I would argue Warney and Million Dollar Island are not real competition, but as soon as it's up against a dancing, as soon as it's up against Spotlight or Mm. 60 Minutes, it's being drubbed down. But but even dancing, like I said, dancing is down on what it's been year on year. Sure. And it's winning one night a week. Yeah. Format is tight. It's only six episodes, I think, this year. Um, 650,000 viewers. Like... If we had mentioned, and it's season 20, if we had mentioned that even at season 10, that it was winning the night with 650,000 viewers, Five City Metro, we would laugh ourselves off the podcast. Yes. Like, that would be deemed ludicrous. I, I, I agree, but here's the thing. Yes. Here is the thing that Australian programmers need to learn or mm-hmm. understand. The bubble has burst on reality TV. Of yep. course, there'll always be something outside that survives, you know, like the locusts or um, the bacteria, like the cockroaches, oh, married geez. at first sight, will survive, oh, right, oh, and it'll do well. But generally, as a genre, mm. reality TV is not only fucking dead on the ground, they've dug the They've dug the grave. They're putting it in. And yet we keep programming more of it when I'm more intrigued about what's happening at 8.30. The cheap seat's doing great stuff. I may have said this last week and I'm I'm probably going to repeat myself over the next five weeks until somebody listens to me. Please listen to me. Because (laughs) there is more interesting stuff happening at 8.30. Mm. 5.30 game show is outrating primetime. You need Mm. to rethink what your big 7.30 show is. Yeah, yes. I qualified that by a 5.30 time slot, and I don't believe it's all about the last 10 minutes. You Absolutely. and I disagree on that. Absolutely. It's about the last two minutes, mate. That's all it's about. Um, look, I, I agree. 8.30 is interesting, and Working Dog stand up in what they're offering in that regard in have that 8.30 time attention? slot. Right? Yeah. Two, two of the bi- – have you been paying attention? Blitzed. It was the highest non-news on Monday and night. It'll be great to see. It'll be so interesting to see – um, thank, thank God, God you're, you're here, here and how yep. how that does. And I would put to you that it would be the smartest move that they could do would be to program it regularly, hard on the half hour at 8.30, uh, once Why a week. Why Why not 7.30? Oh, because 7.30 is the reality bullshit time, right? That's what literally but, but what it's become. 10 are the underdog. They need to roll the dice. Uh, They've also got a gut, like every other commercial network, they've got a gut load of reality coming out for the rest of the year. They actually, it would... I propose it would be problematic if they put it in at 7.30 and it wouldn't rate like it would at 8.30. Well, see, I call bullshit on that because when Gogglebox went to 7.30 for a week or two, I can't remember, mm. it uh, it beat everything in the time slot. But it if also 10... wasn't up against the, the Thursday night sport like it usually was when they did that. Yeah, okay. But what I'm saying is that there was an audience there and I reckon if 10, 10 should really rethink they could actually save themselves some money too. Move, have you been paying attention to 
I don't know about cheap seats. I don't think it's quite 7.30 material. But Gogglebox, thank God you're here. Have different shows at 7.30. Offer a real alternative than another reality show. See, I offer that Have You Been Paying Attention has found its feet at 8.30. And and it provides it with a, a, a broader opportunity in its comedy at 8.30. If you put it to 7.30, hmm, things have to get a little bit more PG in that regard. Um, not these Not days. that that would be a huge problem, but, I, well, it, the difference between that and M is pretty significant. I I would... You're right that the reality bubble has a, has burst, if not is about to, because what we're seeing, the part of the problem with Million Dollar Island is that it is just a shambles of a concoction of other reality shows that we've all already seen, and they haven't even pulled the best bits of it together. And I would put, in the same regard, Nine's new reality show that they are launching on Sunday. Rush, hosted by a former Survivor contestant um, in David Gannat. I think he was Survivor. He was something. He was a reality someone. Um, is another cobbled together version of other formats turned out? And it's an, and it's a Banerjee Nine, nine production. Pretty original. excited about this. Format. They are excited about it, Rob. And I'm concerned that it's going to do the same fucking thing as the summit, where it gives you a little bit of hope and then turns out to be oh bad choices. Yeah. I, I look, right. and and I read the press release twice and misunderstood what it was oh. until I got the second press release. I, I thought that. it was like a motoring show. Here's Dave Gannat. He's going to talk about <laughs> high, high uh, adrenaline, you know, adventures on fast cars and vehicles in other countries. Well, Rush does sound that. like a motoring show in fairness But now, no, it's three teams of nobodies getting dropped in some other capital city and they have to find David and then rush off to the next place. Oh, my oh, God, Amazing Rush. Oh, Shut oh. up. No, no, I believe the original title was The Amazing Rush. <laughs> I just can't. I just oh, can't. that's funny. That's funny. All right. Let's open the TV binge box and find oh, out what yeah. everyone has been watching. I'll, I'll take Abby this, this week, by the way. No, you four. won't. <laughs> uh, I have been watching Star Trek: Strange New Worlds with series two coming to mm-hmm. Paramount Plus. I thought I'd catch up, and and I, I, it's funny. I actually went back to the beginning because I liked it. I hadn't kept with it, and then I sort of had to remind myself what it was. It's a great little show. Great little show. Um, well worth the price of admission. And Are you going to keep other... paying for Paramount Plus when your free subscription expires, Rob? How did he get a free one? Hang Working on for BC. Didn't um, you get a free one through them? I did. Um, I I certainly hope Hang that our friends at Channel 10 will renew my free subscription. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got more friends out there than you do, mate. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, oh, no. the, <laughs> yeah, that's where I was. Just jokes. The the other other one I have to mention is I got to see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny last night. Um, it's a fun romp. I do question whether it was a needed addition to the Indiana Jones franchise. Yeah, Profoundly yeah. disagree. It needed to heal the wounds of Crystal Skull. Oh, and yeah, it did. No, I'll, I'll cop that, and it certainly does do that. One... Slight thing. They've got the technology now to de-age Harrison Ford, and that's not a spoiler because that was all out there. Um, but what they haven't done is de-age his voice. So ah. <laughs> it sounds it's much harder like to an do, old Robert. man in a young man's body. Yeah, right Yeah, it bothered me. It really bothered me because he's obviously doing the acting. They de-aged him, but they spoilers, haven't Spoilers, Rob, the just voice. by the way. Spoilers. No, it's all out there. That is that is all out there. It's in the trailers. Come on, Mulk. 
you're going to uh, call. I've on, said Bob. things that were in trailers and you've absolutely lambasted me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a. You know what? It's it's a grey line. It's a grey area. And what you have <laughs> to found do, the you have to trust line. that McKnight knows what can be said and what oh, can't be said. Judge Rob is in the house. Oh All right. And The Dial of Destiny is in cinemas now. It is a good watch. Robbo, what have you been watching? Uh, so I went back in the archives a little bit for this week and I was watching an audience with Dame Edna, which was oh. recorded in 1986 at HSV Channel 7 Melbourne. Wow. And this is the power of the character and of Barry Humphreys. The who's who of everyone. I'm talking about uh, politicians, uh, mm. TV actors, stage actors, movie actors. Also, the clergy was there. The 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 <laughs> Anglican Church and the Catholic Church were represented. Everyone that you could think of had come to Melbourne for this special. Was there a Hemsworth? Roasted by her. No Hemsworths yet. Before mm. the they Hemsworths, they would have been there. Um, this is amazing, and this is all just her on a set. Uh, talking to people and taking questions from different people. It is amazing. If you've got about, I think it's about an hour and a little bit, uh, go onto YouTube. Just Can you send me the link and I'll put it in the show notes? Yeah, yeah it's, it's amazing. It's, it's such, a good, such a good special and just speaks to people who travelled, I reckon, on their own just to be in that, that audience that night. It was yeah. amazing. Uh, the, other, the other thing I'm watching is Nurse Jackie on Paramount Plus, a fantastic series. Look if you haven't you watched catch it. Up. It is brilliant. I love Nurse Jackie. Mm. But why don't um, you so just tell him how it ends? Well, what happens is Shut Nurse up. Jackie. <laughs> um, so watching that as well. But, yeah, for, <laughs> my, my main one is an audience with Dame Edna, 1986, Channel 7 Melbourne. It is a brilliant yep. show. Check right. that out. Malk, what have you been watching, sir? Nurse Jackie climbs into a spaceship with a crystal skull <laughs> and aliens appear. <laughs> um, you bitch. I'm, I'm a bastard. So I'm, I, I just want to echo your Dial of Destiny review. Rob, I was fortunate enough to see it as well. Um, I think it's a super fun romp. I agree. There's, look, there are some moments that you could go if I want to be really hard on it that I want to go, that's yeah. probably not a thing. Um, but I think on the whole, it was an excellent button on the Indiana Jones franchise because, and this is not a spoiler, Harrison Ford is an old man. Yes. I doubt we will see him in the role again. No. Never seen a frame of any of these. <gasps> oh, they're, they're good. Robo. And, well, so what's your second one? <laughs> no, that's not my second one. That's not my first one. I'm just echoing because I didn't get the chance to say it. That counts. I didn't get a chance to say it when you were talking about it before. <laughs> oh, you, you sneaky little bitch. Um, oh, wow. So I've got two things that I want to shit on or one thing that I think was pretty good. What do you want to hear? Uh, one shit, one good. Oh, how do I decide between the two shit things, though? Well, take your time. You know, there's no time limit on this. <laughs> Great. I appreciate that. Rob, Rob won't edit any of it out. I watched all of Jury Duty on Prime Video, which is oh, the um, ostensibly reality comedy show <gasps> where... Candid camera. Candid. You know, like... I've got to watch this. I Jury want to watch yeah, this I keep forgetting So the setup it. is totally public. Yes. It is a, you, it is you, a you civil court case in America... And they, under the guise of we want to film a documentary about this civil court case or about the jury system in America, they put out a casting call and lots of people applied and we follow one of those people that applied that got in. It turns out the entire thing is a setup and and this one person is the only person who's think the Truman Show is not in on the joke. Um, And... It is eight episodes, 30-ish minutes each. I smashed it in a day. I just could not stop watching it. It was so fun. And 
cringy and amazing and the central character ronald that this guy um they they put him they literally put him through the moral emotional and practical ringer it's it is delightful james marsden plays james marsden and he's a dick and it's so <laughs> funny. It, like he leans into that I'm James Marsden, the Hollywood guy, and 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 yeah, it's it's just super fun. And they do obviously reveal to him at the end that it was all a setup. Um and, and getting some of that behind the scenes stuff of both revealing to him how they did it and talking about how they did it is excellent. Oh, TV I have notes to everywhere. Watch it. There yes, is a 800%. great interview with the creator of of the show on KCRW's mm-hmm. The Business with Kim Masters. Which, which one? Is it about a Gene Sibnitsky or Lee Eisenberg? Sorry? Is it with Gene Sibnitsky or uh, Lee I Eisenberg? I can't remember. Okay. Uh, it was a male. Okay. Well, but here, here's the hook, and this is why I know who those guys are. Those guys created Jury Duty mm-hmm. and show run, such that it was, show yeah. run the, the show. They co-wrote some of the best episodes of the U.S. office, the office that went yes. to air right. as a writing team. Go and have done a whole bunch of stuff together. And find the interview because yeah. I, I can't remember which one, who it was they interviewed, but I just remember them talking about it. Yeah, look, and look, you will be, in watching the series, you'll become obsessed by it because you'll want to know, you, you will look for interviews, you'll look for the podcast because you want to know everything about it because it's amazing. Because on one hand, it's all of the reality television tricks that we know already that they employed. Yeah. But then we learn that the the scrambling that they had to go through at, at some points to keep the script ahead of where this real-life character was taking it. Like, mm. incredible. Incredible. Yeah. That's Jury Duty. That's on Prime Video. Eight episodes do it. I doubt there'll be a second season because the first one is amazing. The one that I want to shit on and the one that I've chosen to shit on tonight um, is new Aussie uh, miniseries primetime drama Riptide starting on 10 this week at 8.30. When I tell you that it is a four-episode arc from Neighbours turned into an hour-long brooding, you know, four-hour-long episodes of brooding, looking at each other and cutting between people staring at each other, I am overselling it. <laughs> it's oh, wow. just bad. I don't care who done it. I don't care why the big mystery that is the basis of this, the show happened. And I didn't care about any of the characters. You got the, the, the writing team gave me no reason to care about them. And there are some great actors in it. Mm-hmm. But it, it just was this, like, I don't give a shit about you. And it could be any of you. You all could have conspired to do the thing. I don't care. Um, if, it, if it gives us a hint as to why I say it's a neighbor's thing, Justin Herbison, who was the showrunner for Neighbours for the last few years before it folded, is responsible for this new series and it's not great. And unfortunately for him, any time that he stepped out of the Neighbours um, universe to do any of this kind of primetime drama, it has not paid off for him. Mm. And unfortunately, this will be just a continuation of that. You look, People may watch it and love it and say, Mulk, you're an idiot, what do you know? And it pains me to, to crap on Aussie drama because I want to support Aussie drama and Aussie product. I just, I know, I look, I watched every minute of what was available to me to preview, and I wish I could get all those minutes back. Wow. Okay. Mm. Thank you, Mulk. Mulk there. Good to end on a high. Yes, uh, my name is Mulk, <laughs> and I didn't like it. <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us for another edition of TV Black Box. Hey, if you are listening to this on Tuesday night, hey. I'm going to be trying to release this ASAP. 
or Wednesday morning even, you'll have time. I'll be in studio on the morning show on Wednesday morning Woo. at 9.50 doing the look buzz you segment. Go, Rob. Make yes. sure you look out for that. Who's and I'll also do my weekly appearance on 6PR. And look, if this gets out in time tonight, I'm on Nights with John Stanley at 10.20 on yeah, TGB and 4BC. So well stay work. tuned for that. <laughs> if, you're, if you're on the Sunshine Coast and listening to this Tuesday night, Tune in to Zinc and hear me talk with Bill Co and Jade about everything that's happening in television. They are big fans of the TV Black Box podcast. They are big fans of the TV Black Box podcast, and it's always great to chat with them. A big hello to our friends at Zinc. All right, that brings us to the end of this edition of TV Black Box. Thanks for your company. Don't forget to go to tvblackbox.com.au. It's where people in the industry get their news. This episode was written and produced by Abby Mickelson. And Robbo, Mulk and Rob McDonough, we're here with you. We'll see you next week. I don't know what I was trying to say then. Hey. <laughs> hey. I hey. should script those outros. <laughs> you should. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.